Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews throughout the 2018-2019 basketball season. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. The Shockers are back on the hardwood and we are back for Season 7 of Talk Angry. On today's show, we'll be joined by Shocker analyst Bob Bull. We'll get his thoughts on the first two games of the season. We'll also get you ready for the Cancun Challenge, the two preliminary round games at Coke Arena this week. Great show coming up right after this. The Talk Angry Podcast is brought to you by Forge Audio Productions. For all your audio and music production needs, Forge Audio is ready to deliver the highest quality production that serves the artist. To receive a free consultation or quote from Brian, visit www.forgeaudioprod.com. That's www.forgeaudioprod.com. Or follow the studio on Facebook or Instagram. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge, our first show of the regular season, season seven. Great to have you back, Taylor. How have you been? I've been well. I've uh, you know been waiting for basketball season for a really long time, so I'm so happy it's finally back and be able to watch some uh, some hoops and uh, get back to you know breaking things down for for the fans. Producer Brian's here as well. You glad the Shockers are back? Oh man, it's been a long off season. I'm just ready to have have things going on every week, so it's good. Well, we had plenty to talk about from last week, starting with Wichita State's 68-54 win over Omaha, and the big story that first game was Trey Wade made a big impression in his first game as a Shocker, starting off with a double-double. Yeah, he's uh, he's just a beast on the glass, and you know, with uh, Jaime Echenique out. Right now, that's uh, exactly what Wichita State needs is someone that will just clean up the glass. And, you know, with the sensors kind of struggling a little bit, you know, Trey Wade has really stepped up rebounding. Dexter Dennis has stepped up rebounding. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the the scoring is probably going to, you know, it's going to come and go. I think he does have a chance to average double-digit points this year. But um, with the rebounding, I, I don't think that goes away. I think he might lead this team in rebounding even with – Echenique coming back just because you know he's going to play more minutes uh, than any of the centers so um, I really like his game and I think he's a, a big addition for the Shockers. The team got 15 offensive rebounds in that first game there was another intriguing story from Omaha and that was Wichita's own Matt Pyle you had uh, an article uh, on Kansas.com about him was uh, maybe a little bit about his story. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I haven't heard uh, Greg Marshall uh, admit to very many uh, recruiting mistakes uh, over the years, and um, he's, he came out and said multiple times that we made a mistake not not offering this guy three years ago. Uh, that was the recruiting class where they essentially took Asbjorn Meekard um, for that that big man spot and uh, didn't offer Pyle, uh, all-state uh, player at Eisenhower. You know, he's a six-eight kid, just uh, another beast on the on the rebounding. 
And, uh, I mean, his offensive game, uh, I mean, it was probably a little underwhelming for that level. But, you know, with his defense and rebounding, I think he could have made an impact. And uh, certainly the way he's developed at Omaha, they've done a great job with his game. And uh, they've kind of uh, fit things uh, to, to suit him and his style. So um, he's looking like uh, he's going to have a big-time junior season this year for, for Omaha. And, uh, you know, Asbjorn Meegards, his size really disrupted him in that game. Never really got going on offense, but man, 15 rebounds, that's that's a lot. Shockers have been a little bit of a mash unit here early. You have the injury to Echenique, you've got Burton that's been out, Fernandez made his debut in the second game, but maybe isn't quite 100% there, so do you have any updates? I know you're at a, a press conference with Coach Marshall today on any of those guys. Yeah, so Noah, he's, uh, he obviously made his debut um, the last game, and uh, pretty clearly, he was not 100%. You know, he's real, super fast, very quick, um, and you could tell he was probably like 75%. I mean, he missed nine weeks uh, and only practiced partially twice before that game. So I was a little surprised that he played, and it makes me wonder if you know Jamarius Burton is healthy. Uh, does he maybe sit out one more uh, that game and then you know another week of practice uh, to get his legs back under him? But you know, Marshall said he looked good in practice. On Monday, um, starting to look a little, get that that first step back. So, you know, it's going to take him time. We might not see, you know, 100% him until, you know, uh, maybe sometime in December. But, you know, coaches told me that, you know, halfway, I mean, before the injury, he was, you know, neck and neck with Grant Sherfield to, to start at point guard this year. So uh, they were very, very high on just uh, the way he's able to lead teams. They love his demeanor, his fiery spirit the way he can shoot it, and he just brings something different uh, than than Sherfield. You know, he plays at that kind of controlled pace and, um, you know, just really has the game under control. And Fernandez kind of brings that that quickness and uh, really, uh, really high-level playmaker is what I've been told. So we'll, we'll have that to look forward to uh, as the season progresses. Jamarius Burton, he's dealing with that ankle sprain. He was in a walking boot at the game, uh, but I'm told he, he came back. Uh, didn't practice uh, in the contact drills, but was on the court doing non-contact stuff on Monday. Um, I was told that he was going to try to give it a go uh, today, which is Tuesday in practice. And uh, Marshall said that he's been cleared by trainers, so uh, it's ultimately going to be up to him and the pain tolerance if he's going to be able to go Saturday against UT Martin. So I expect Burton to come back soon. And then Jaime Echenique, uh, no real update on him. Uh, still out with the the left broken hand. Um, I think it's week two, uh, week two and a half. So I think after this Tennessee Martin game, uh, we might uh, get a little bit of an update. It's going to be a, co- a big question if he's able to go to Cancun for those two games against South Carolina, and then the second second game. So that's going to be the big question mark uh, right now. No update for that. I have been impressed, though, with, you know, how quickly some of these guys have come back. You know, Fernandez was out a long time, and it seemed like, you know, this might be an injury that bleeds into the season, so it was at least good to get him back on the court. You had Udeze that, you know, had the concussion-like symptoms, and he was in the protocol and different things like that, and at least now he's trying to get back into the flow there at center and things. And so it's been somewhat positive, and and hopefully you you get your big man back that you need. Yeah, I was really surprised by Fernandez um, just because I knew he had been out for so long, and I had heard that he had uh, partially practiced the day before the game but uh, to bring him back and play in a game you know after missing nine weeks and basically the second third day that you're back already be out there playing I thought that was pretty impressive he didn't you know one rebound one assist in eight minutes 
Uh, nothing splashy, but he had a really good post-entry pass to Asbjorn for a layup and made two other passes that would have been assists for, for three. So I thought uh, Noah, he showed some flashes, but, you know, obviously uh, and just not 100%. So once he gets back, though, I think WSU could have a pretty good one-two punch uh, with freshman point guards. Yeah, and even with Burton, you know, the fact that he's day-to-day and back on the court I think is promising. When the news first came, Coach Marshall seemed to indicate that it was probably a serious ankle injury. So, uh, you know, that, that seems all positive here early in the season. Just to wrap up last week, kind of the, the ugly one was this past Saturday. 69-63 was the final. The Shockers missed 50 shots, including 21 in a row, but they did prevail. Their shooting percentage, which was 24.2% for the game, was the lowest for a winning team in a Division I game in almost five years. It was 2014 the last time a team had that low of a shooting percentage. What would you think about that? Yeah, as that game was going, that was uh, a very rough one to watch. You uh, called it. You called it. They got <laughs> crushed by San Diego State last year, and then they went and beat, uh, was it Oregon last year? No. Yeah, yeah Oregon. Yeah. And then you said that those fighting Texas Southern, I don't even know what their uh, uh, mascot the is. The Tigers. Tigers. That second game, they came out with a fury. Yeah, their uh, their defense really impressed me after watching it back on film. Um uh, their, one of their assistant coaches was a former assistant under Marshall at Winthrop, actually took over that program after Marshall left. Um, so obviously he knows a lot of Marshall's sets, and you know you could see some of that where you know Texas Southern was you know kind of um, jumping passing lanes, and there was one where uh, Sherfield turned it over because the guy jumped the passing lane, and he had to just throw it up in the air, and it went out of bounds. So you could see some of that, but I thought Texas Southern, they were so good at scrambling and uh, they would just uh, gamble and uh, force WSU to, to make that extra pass, and then just uh, their rotations were so good on defense. I was really impressed by them, um, much better than you know what the Ken Palms of the world would have told you uh, from a team like that. So um, you know some, and then some of it was just WSU missing shots. You know I thought they got uh, pretty good looks uh, for the most part. I, I didn't think that during the game, but actually. Going back and watching the game again, they just missed uh, a lot of shots that they were making uh, the first game. A lot of inside shots. I mean, it's yeah, not like they, they were taking a ton of threes, but only really. Only 16 just, uh, threes for the game, right? 16? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I had a stat on that, too. It was uh, unreal. The It was like watching two different teams, basically. So, let's see. They had, uh, yeah, the first game they took 49 jumpers, uh, either catch and shoot or off the dribble and only 22 at the rim. And then this last game, they took 30 jumpers and 34 at the rim. So uh, they basically went from about a third of the shots at the rim to over half uh, this last game at Texas Southern. And, you know, you would think that would increase the field goal percentage, and it did uh, the exact opposite. So, you know, they shot, I had them at 34% at the rim against the Texas Southern team that didn't really have any shot blockers. So that's just very, very bad. And then on jumpers, you know, even worse. I had him five for thirty on on jump jumpers the whole game. So uh, the shots they were making the first game just didn't go down, and I thought they were getting uh, you know good enough looks to make, and um, they just didn't knock them down. So uh, in a game where you have fifty misses, you go thirteen minutes in between made field goals, uh, you have to consider yourself lucky to to take home that win and. You know, they got to the foul line. They played uh, really good defense the whole game. So they did other things to, to improve their chances. But you don't uh, you don't come away with the win too often when you miss 50 times and, you know, shoot 24%. Here's the biggest question that I have from this game. 
Eric Stevenson has the career-high 22-18 in the second half. Is this the game where he finally saw the ball go through the hoop enough to regain the confidence and get rid of that, what I call the Connor Frankamp syndrome sometimes, where you're 100% in practice and for some reason in Wichita particularly, the ball just can't go down. Because a lot of times last year we said, okay, this is the time. Now we're finally going to see that shooter we've been hearing about, yeah. and we all saw the numbers. Didn't we say the same thing about Connor, though? Like he would he would break out of the slump, and then it would seem like he was never completely out. So, big question. Yeah, I think, I mean, you're not going to be able to say so until he actually strings together some performances because, you know, the, his whole career, I mean, the, the shooting stroke and the shooting percentages haven't aligned. You know, his stroke just, I mean, the ball looks so good coming off of his hand, and, you know, he obviously shoots with confidence. But, you know, you look at the shooting numbers, and, you know, he's under 30% for his career. Even this game, you know, he has six makes. He leads the team in 22 points, but, you know, he goes six for 18 uh, from the field. A lot of rush shots, um, a lot of bad shots, off-balance shots, so... Um, there were a couple, though. I mean, he had wide-open looks and, and could have put him down. But what I did like was in the second half, he, he really got his game going. I thought he played, um, you know, an A-plus performance in the second half. So uh, the first half, you know, you saw a lot of the same stuff that everyone else on the floor was doing, you know, the rush shots, uh, really forcing it on offense just because I'm sure they were frustrated with nothing going down. So um, I think there are signs that he can kind of get this going but, you know, until he actually does it, you know, you can't really consider him that, that top, uh, you know, elite sharpshooter that he's kind of billed as. So um, maybe this is the, 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 the turning turning point of his career. We'll, we'll just have to see. Yeah, that could be the biggest point from a ugly, ugly game. Did you see Ricky Torres has already made three three-pointers this year? What's that all about? 75% of the production <laughs> from last year. Yeah, he's about to have season highs here pretty soon. Uh, you know, enough about that game, but after watching these first two games, kind of what are your, you know, way too early initial thoughts on the team overall? So with Dexter Dennis, I think uh, – the part of the game that I wanted to see him improve the most was put the ball on the floor, be aggressive, get to the basket, and really use his athleticism, you know, unlock that in transition. Last year, I looked it up in transition, he was uh, just about average, um, 0.97 points per possession uh, last season. You know, should have been better. You know, you, you think of the hops that he has, the athleticism, you know, who who can stop that guy when he gets going? And, you know, way too early, like you said, two games. But, man, he's looked so much better uh, in transition this year. He's uh, three for four on field goals. He's he's hit a couple of threes spotting up in transition. Uh, but the biggest point is he's drawn four fouls going hard to the rim. And this last game against Texas Southern, he drew three fouls in transition, made all six free throws. I mean, that's six free points right there by just attacking the basket going hard and now he's at 1.56 points per possession um, obviously too few of possessions to rank nationally but if he was that would be you know top you know top five percent in the country so um, that's the the biggest thing I wanted to see from Dexter's game was to kind of expand we know what you can do shooting wise he's having another great shooting shooting season seven of 14 so far on threes uh, really good catch catch and shoot so 
Um, he's upped his foul rate too in the half court, uh, getting to the line. His foul rate's uh, 43% right now. So if he can, that's where it should be, and that would rank you know pretty high in the country. So if he can keep going to the line. Um, he's just going to expand his game and, and really become that go-to scorer that WSU needs. Which newcomer has impressed you the most so far? I think uh, Sherfield. Um, you know, I just didn't really um, know that he would have the ball in his hands that much. I mean, he's pretty much the maestro of this offense right now, and with uh, JB sidelined, um, you know, he's playing a ton of the minutes. You know, he's probably, I think he's at like 80% of the possessions so far. Um, it's been interesting to see the shot selection from him. You know, he runs that, that pick and roll to death up top for WSU. And um, so far, he's taken a lot of mid-range jumpers, a lot of long twos. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, uh, what Samaje Haynes-Jones was doing last year. Um, having, uh, I mean, up and down success, you know, those off-the-dribble jumpers, you know, as an analytics guy, just not very, very efficient at all. And uh, that's kind of uh, come through with Sherfield's game. He's 4 of 11 on those two-point jumpers. Um, but, you know, he's getting his shot, and he's getting a lot of good looks. He's able, you know, give him credit, he's able to create separation and rise up and, you know, get an open look. It's just a question if he can make enough of those uh, for that to be a good enough shot. So um, only he hasn't made a three-pointer yet. I'd like to see him kind of spot up. Uh, when he doesn't have the ball and maybe uh, be able to knock down a three when people kick it out to him. But, you know, 13 of 14 of those shots have, have come off the dribble. So um, that's just his game, and it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of evolves as the season uh, progresses. Who do you see starring the most games at center between now and when Echenique returns? Man, that's tough. I think... I think I'm going to go with Morris Udeze. I think uh, I really like what Isaiah Porter Chandler did this last game. Um, I mean, didn't really do much scoring the ball, but if you look at um, everything he did other than that, um, really, really impressive. Um, You know, Marshall has said multiple times how he – uh, is probably the worst defensively of all the of all the centers, but I thought this last game he probably played his best defensive game of his career. Probably uh, his pick and roll coverage has gotten a lot better. I think he finished with two steals, two blocks. He took a charge. Um, it's really good. Um, you know, containing uh, guards on that pick and roll defense where people have kind of taken advantage of him in the past. So I've been really impressed with him. But you know, Morsadeze has just been a—he's been a, a a beast on a per minute basis, and you know, 21% offensive rebound rate um, would rank top 25 nationally if he had played enough. Um, six offensive rebounds in just 24 minutes so far this season. So he's really, really crashing the glass hard. And I put up a, a, a clip on my Twitter of uh, just the the way he is, is attacking the glass, and you know, uh, there's a guy that. Uh, the clip I put up, there was a guy that was looking to check him out, and he just, you know, swim moved and just would not be denied. Went straight to the rim, got the rebound, went straight back up with it for a basket, and uh, he's really impressed. Uh, the question mark on him was, you know, could he provide that rim protection at just six eight? Uh, so far, so good. You know, three block shots for him, and with you know Asbjorn struggling really, really hard right now, I, I think that it's going to be that Morris Udeze, Isaiah Porter, Chandler. Uh, they're going to get probably you know 75% of the minutes uh, going forward. But you know once uh, Jaime Echenique comes back and gets in the full swing of things, I think you're going to see him play at least 50% of those minutes. But you know all they need is uh, those three to kind of just keep rotating in and out, and uh, they've they've found a winning formula with that in the past. 
The Shockers should be expected to win their next few games. You have UT Martin on Saturday, Gardner-Webb, which is a good team, but still a home game you should win next Tuesday, and then Oral Roberts. But what would you like to see this team improve on most between now and when they take on South Carolina and play those games down in Cancun? Yeah, you look at the defense. The defense has been good. Uh, The rebounding has been good. Uh, Ball handling has been outstanding. That was something I wanted to mention, too, with uh, so many freshmen on the ball. You look at Sherfield, ATN, now Noah Fernandez. Those three have done a lot of the ball handling, probably about 95%. WSU ranks 6th in the nation right now in turnover rate. Uh, They're only turning the ball over on 10% of their possessions, extremely, extremely low. Um, So they've done a very good job of, you know, not wasting possessions on just uh, stupid turnovers and it makes the you know the shooting numbers a little bit worse. So you look at the shooting, and that's obviously the what everyone would say they want to see from WSU. From until now, does uh, South Carolina just uh, get better looks, start making shots? Thirty-one um, percent on two pointers right now. That's just you know pathetic. Uh, that's a bottom twenty mark in the in the country. You know, thirty percent on threes. That's going to come and go. Two two game sample size is pretty small. Um, and then 40% at the rim, uh, that would, I think that's uh, that's the seventh worst in the country. So they're just not making, they're not finishing at the rim. And then on the two pointers they are getting, they're just not finishing. So um, that's the biggest uh, point of emphasis I would have uh, for WSU is just to to finish at the rim. We've seen a lot of guards get to the rim and just show throw up wild shots. We've seen post get it deep in the paint and just you know. Miss Bunnies, you know, I know uh, Poor Bear Chandler's had f- a few, you know, Asbjorn Meekard's had a lot. Um, so just finishing inside, uh, getting that, that, that two-point shooting percentage should be, you know, high 40s. And to have it at 30% right now uh, is just, you know, atrocious. So they need to improve that. They need to get better looks. Uh, they're so good at running their sets. They should be getting a lot of layups. And um, for them not to, to be getting those looks is a little, you know, it's not concerning. It's you know, two games into the season. They have plenty of time to, to work out the details. But, you know, you want to see them get those details right and, you know, set screens properly, come off the screens properly, know where to go off the screens, and, and then time time the passes too. So um, that's kind of what I'll be looking forward to these, these next two games. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Shocker analyst Bob Hull. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Our guest today was on the call for both of the Shockers' first two games on Your View Kansas 22. It's Shocker analyst Bob Hull. Bob, how are you today? Good, Dustin. How are you guys? We're doing well. We appreciate you taking the time, and it's always great when the Shockers are back on the hardwood. As I mentioned, you were on the call for the first two games, so uh, you know that second game was uh, not so easy on the eyes, but give us your overall thoughts here early in the season on this Shocker team. Well, I think it was a good win against Omaha. Uh, I thought uh, offensively they were kind of uh, hot and cold, and they they played good for a while, hit a bunch of threes, and then they go cold for a number of minutes, and then they kind of warm up again. But their defense was really good at Omaha against Omaha, and uh, thought they did a really good job uh, covering uh, Mike P- Matt Pyle uh, and really held him down to just six points and uh, that's a really talented guy that will probably be on some uh, uh, some all-conference teams in, or all-region teams so 
good defense in that game. Nice win. Uh, now, the last game against Texas Southern, that was a, you know, you've heard of uh, playing angry. Well, that was winning ugly because uh, they could not make any shots whatsoever. Uh, went for long stretches of time without hitting a bucket. And uh, they just really uh, struggled to score. And so it had to go back to the old uh, play defense, rebound, uh, force turnovers, uh, make free throws, that kind of uh, formula to win when you're not hitting shots. Because uh, I think they were 5 for 37 in the first half. That's 13%, 1 for 10 from 3. And then it got a little better in the second half, but still they only shot 24% for the game. So they won the ball game because they played good defense and they uh, made their free throws and they forced uh, Texas Southern into 20 turnovers. So uh, that was the formula they had to use to win Saturday. So uh, I don't think Coach Marshall wants to do that a lot because that's uh, pretty nerve-wracking. Yeah, and the the first half, uh, it was just kind of unreal as it just kept going and going. You know, 13 minutes in between field goals, 21 straight misses. How did that stretch? I mean, we saw some ugly stretches from this team last year with all those freshmen uh, playing. I thought this year, I mean, I thought they were getting, you know, better looks. Last year it seemed like the ball would stall and they would have to, you know, do ISO and in a shot clock just like um, – you know, one-on-one stuff. I thought they were getting better looks this game. Uh, how did how does that kind of compare to your memory of last year with just in terms of just how the offense looked? Well, last year's team, uh, other than uh, Marcus and uh, Samaje was kind of uh, hot and cold, but uh, Marcus was a pretty consistent outside shooter. But last year's team was not a really good shooting team. They were good on defense, uh, pretty good on defense, uh, on rebounding, but uh, not a real good shooting team. Dexter kind of got going there late in the season. I think this year's team is a lot better shooting team. Uh, they've got a lot of skilled guys that can shoot the basketball, but they're still, they got 10 freshmen and sophomores, and those guys are going to be inconsistent. Uh, they're going to play good one game and not good the next game, and unfortunately a whole bunch of them decided not to play well on Saturday afternoon against Texas Southern because they had a lot of open shots that they just missed. And then uh, they had a, a, also a lot of shots that they rushed or they, uh, they they shot off balance or they tried to force shots. Uh, and a lot of it had to do with Texas Southern's defense. Uh, I thought the Tigers uh, were really well prepared for the Shockers. One of their assistant coaches was a former uh uh, assistant for Greg Marshall at Winthrop, so he knew the system really well. So they were prepared for the Shocker system, and they had a lot of older guys, guys that had played at other schools for transfers. And I thought the Texas Southern defense was really, really good, and they were quick and athletic, and they got in the Shockers' faces and and made them miss a lot of shots. So you got to give Texas Southern a lot of credit for making the Shockers play that. It's a small sample size, but the Shockers have struggled to get production from the center position, particularly with Echenique out. Taylor has pointed out through two games, there's 15 points and 20 fouls from the uh, three-minute center. So you have a background as a coach. What maybe are, are some things they can do in practice this week to get a little bit more production from their big men? Well, I was out of practice this afternoon, and uh, they're working on that hard, trying to develop uh, at the orange mid guards uh, post moves and uh, 
Isaiah Poor Bear, Chandler's Post News, and as well as Mo Desi, because those guys, they're they're all uh, they're all good at certain things. Astron's a really good screener and kind of clogs up the middle well defensively. Mo's quicker, probably better rebounder and better at guarding quicker guys. And Isaiah Poor Bear Chandler's probably the best offensive guy as far as shooting and offensive skills, but. Uh, He's still trying to get comfortable in the system and kind of gets lost sometimes. So all three of those guys need to keep working on fundamentals, take the shots that they're good at taking. Asborn kind of takes difficult shots sometimes. If, when he learns, once he learns how to use his body, uh, like Garrett Stutz did and other big guys uh, have done in the past, he's going to get better shots. He's got to learn to know where the defense is and take better shots. Uh, so, and, and a lot of this is going to get solved when Echenique gets back because, uh, Jaime Echenique is a very good offensive player. He can, he can score with jump hooks, with power moves, with dunks. He can step outside and shoot the mid range shot. He can even hit threes occasionally. So I think he's going to be a really solid offensive player for the Shockers this year once he gets back from his hand, uh, injury. So, when he gets in there next to Trey Wade and Dexter Dennis, I think you're going to see a lot better offensive production by the big guys. And then uh, with at the point guard position, you see uh, freshman Grant Sherfield really step up into that role with uh, Jamarius Burton sidelined. Um, what do you make of Sherfield's game, and just uh, how impressive is it? You know, with that many minutes on ball as a true freshman, you know, WSU is just not turning the ball over. They rank in the top 10 in uh, turnover rate so far. So wh- through two games, what has kind of stood out to you with uh, watching Grant Sherfield run this offense? Yeah, that's a good point because they haven't had many turnovers in the two ball games. They had uh, eight turnovers against Texas Southern. And against that defense, that's, that's pretty impressive. And they only had seven turnovers against Omaha. But uh, Grant has gotten the uh, most of the minutes at point guard, played 32 minutes Saturday, played 31 minutes on Tuesday against Omaha. So he's playing a lot of minutes for a freshman and doing a, doing a fantastic job. He's only, he's only had a couple of turnovers, I think, in the two ball games and uh, didn't shoot it particularly well Saturday against Texas Southern, but he got to the free throw line a lot, made 11 of 14 free throws and, those free throws uh, really uh, ended up being the difference in the ball game. Uh, he got to the line a lot, and so did uh, so did Stevenson. So, uh, but Sherfield, I'm really impressed with him. He's really cool for a freshman. He doesn't seem to get hurried. Doesn't get, seem to get sped up. He handles a ball well. Makes good decisions. He's a very good shooter. And uh, the thing that you got to like about him, he's really good at the end of the shot clock of getting his shot and making those shots. So uh, I've been, he's probably the, the guy that I've been most impressed with as far as the new guys is concerned. He also drew uh, 10 fouls on Saturday. That was a, a key um, down the stretch when shots weren't falling. Uh, him, Dexter Dennis, both showed a good job of not settling for that, that mid-range jump shot and attacking the basket. I know Sherfield pick up, picked up three fouls late in the game, and then they ran that ISO for Dexter Dennis at the free throw line when they were up three under a minute left, and uh, he didn't settle for the jump shot, put his head down, got the foul. Um, you think that's kind of a, you know, just an example of just winning ugly, or what do you, I mean, last year that team really struggled to get to the line, I thought, at, at points. you feel like that's kind of the, the evolution maybe we're seeing a little bit with some of these guys, you know, kind of understanding uh, just college basketball a little bit better? 
Yes, I, I do. Uh, I think definitely the guys that are back, the sophomores back, uh, Dexter Dennis, uh, Jamarius Burton. We haven't seen a lot of him yet, but he's he uh, learned a lot last year, got to play a lot. It was pretty effective point guard, you know, the last month and a half of the season last year. And Stevenson, I think you're seeing him evolve into a better player, more com- complete player, and some of the other guys. So I think that's definitely a factor, having a year uh, experience under their belt. And you saw Coach Marshall, when it came down, to when he really needed a bucket late in the game, I think the Shockers were up two points, and they wanted to score and get up uh, two possessions. And they came out of that timeout, and they ran that ISO play for Dexter Dennis, got him the ball at the free throw line, cleared the side of the floor for him. And he got in there and got the foul and made uh, made one of the two free throws. So, yeah, that that was uh, that was a big play and showed some confidence in Dexter Dennis. And, uh, you know, he's, he's producing right now uh, probably better than anybody. 19.7 rebounds Saturday, had uh, 17.9 rebounds against Omaha and he's shooting 48% from the floor and 50% from behind the arc, seven to 14. So he's really solid. And I think when you see him alongside of Trey Wade and then get Edge Nike back, that's going to be a pretty good front line for Wichita State. Bob, the Shockers were picked to finish fourth in the AAC preseason poll. A lot of national riders have given them some respect here coming into this season. And even with the ugly win this past Saturday, I think there's been flashes from just about everyone on the team, including the newcomers. So my question for you is, what do you think are reasonable expectations for this team this season? That's a good question. Uh They've got a lot of things to figure out still. Uh, they're trying to f- uh, figure out uh, their their substitution pattern and who's best at what position. I, I think I think Burton's a point guard uh, when he gets back healthy, but I think I think eventually the coaches would like to turn the point guard position over to Sherfield and and uh, Fernandez and let. Uh, let uh, Burton play two, three, get to the boards and guard bigger guys. So uh, they're going to have to, that's going to have to evolve as the season develops here. But I think, I think top four is a good uh, pick. I think, uh, I think they would like to be in the top three or four in the league. I don't know if they can win the league this year. I think they're a year away from that, but uh, I think they've, they definitely have a shot at the NCAA tournament this year if they come together and play well. So uh, I think that's a pretty good goal. Uh, top three or four in the league, uh, NCAA tournament. A couple quick ones for you. What do you think about the situation with Memphis and James Wiseman? Well, I think they're playing with fire, uh, playing with him. When the NCAA rules a guy ineligible, no, most schools will set that guy regardless of what the courts say, because they don't want to have to forfeit games later. So I think they're kind of playing with fire there, playing him. I don't know the ins and outs of this, of the uh, uh, accusations or violations, uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, Normally when a school challenges the NCAA, the NCAA usually wins in the end. So we'll see what happens there, but who knows? Who knows? There'll, There'll be a different team. Without him, I, I watched them play UIC last week on TV, and they're a very impressive team. A lot of good young talent. You used to coach at Illinois. How's how about your boy uh, Levy Smith and the job he's doing with the football program? 
oh man, I'm so happy for him. You know, he was getting some, uh, it was a lot of grumbling about trying to replace him. And then they got on this win streak, uh, beat Wisconsin, which was a huge upset. Uh, and then, uh, that, that win, that comeback against Michigan state, uh, Saturday was unbelievable. So, uh, they're, they're, they qualified for a bowl. So they're really excited there. And I'm really happy for Lovey and, they got a tough game Saturday. They got to go to Iowa City and play Iowa, and Iowa's just coming off a loss, so that's going to be a tough one. Final question for you. What's the game you're most looking forward to this year for Wichita State? Oh, boy. Uh, most looking for. I'll tell you what. Uh, how about Oklahoma coming in here to Interest Bank Arena with uh, Austin Reeves coming back for his first game, wearing a different uniform, He'll have the red on for the Sooners uh, playing against his old team, and it'll be down at Interest Bank Arena. Shockers have lost two in a row down there, so uh, I think the crowd will be really hyped for that ball game, uh, and I will be too. All right, well, we appreciate you taking the time as always. We'll look forward to your coverage here on Your View Kansas 22 and with Mike Kennedy on Shocker Radio throughout the season. Thanks a lot, Bob. Yeah, Dustin, Taylor, nice talking to you guys. Thanks for coming on. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Coon and Eldridge. We'll move now into our game previews. We have two Cancun Challenge preliminary round games this week, starting with Saturday's game at 2 p.m. against UT Martin. The game will be broadcast on Your View Kansas 22. Taylor, UT Martin is 1-1. Let me tell you about the games they've played thus far. Their win was their first game against the St. Louis College of Pharmacy. How do we get those boys on the schedule? Are you kidding me? The St. Louis College of Pharmacy? They beat them 106-48, to and then their one loss, old friend alert, East Tennessee State University. And Coach Forbes and also former Talk Angry sub for Taylor, Zach Bush, they lost 92-75. to So I think all we got to do is call Z Bush. We'll get the scout. We got yeah. these boys handled. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah, Zach's kind of a sellout, I thought. I mean, he could have worked with us, unpaid podcasts, but um, to, you know, sell out and go out to East Tennessee State and start a coaching career. You have, have a to job. Wonder, yeah. Um, but, yeah, they should, you know, two two former Shockers, I think they can get the hook up on the scouting report. Um, not much to say about Tennessee Martin. You know, this is a team that WSU should handle. Um, they have a, a good post player, Quentin Dove, um, or Quentin Dove, sorry. Um, he had 25 against East Tennessee State. He was a pretty good player for them last year, too. So um, I think he he's going to be the one to stop. Um, he's only 6'8", though. So kind of like Matt Pyle, is he's going to be going up against a bigger size. You put Asby on guard on him and try to make him score over a 7-footer. That, that seems to be a pretty effective uh, defense for the post players. So. Um, this is a game that, you know, after such a struggle with Texas Southern in a game where they were favored by 20. It's a good, healthy game. You you hope to see WSU bounce back and, and handle a team like this. I want 100. Put them, put them away. Score 100. I want that Tad's discount that doesn't exist anymore. Get Tad's closed. <laughs> Moving on, the real challenge actually should be next Tuesday against Gardner-Webb. Now, Gardner-Webb's 0-2 on the season, but last year they were 23-12. and 
They beat uh, Georgia Tech and Wake Forest, uh, who are from the ACC. They also played in the NCAA tournament and lost to Virginia in the first round. There are two losses this year. Once again, a Shocker connection. They lost to Furman. 70 to 63, who the Shockers took down in the NIT last year. They also lost to Western Carolina 71 to 59. They'll take on North Carolina, the Tar Heels, this Friday, November 15th, before visiting Wichita. Uh, Gardner Webb should be a little bit more of a challenge, but it sounds like maybe lost some of that talent from last year's squad. Yeah, they had a couple of really good seniors they lost, so I'm not sure this is going to be the same caliber of team that's going to, you know, upset uh, big, t- big teams on the road like they did last year. Um, but you know it's it's definitely a step up from UT Martin. Um, so we're gonna uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, they're probably gonna be coming into this game 0 and three. They they took kind of a bad loss to Western uh, Carolina. They did go on the road for that one, but to lose by 12 was a little bit of an eyebrow. Uh, you know, r- raise your eyebrows a little bit. But you know they have a, a really good guard back in Jose Perez. Um, but you know he's a six five uh, guard who you know. He doesn't, you know, create as much for others, but he's a very, very good scorer. And what does WSU do with guys like that? They put Dexter Dennis on him and, you know, let him try to score against him. So I think WSU matches up very well with them. Uh, they don't have the size to, to match up with WSU down low. So this should be a game where the WSU should, you know, control the boards, uh, let Dexter do his thing on defense, and try to get this. I think the, the big key for these next two games try to get some confidence built up on offense uh, before you head down to Cancun. And, you know, we know how good of a defensive coach Frank Martin can be. So you want to get – You also got Northern Iowa. You got West Virginia. You got a lot of, you know, pretty defensive-minded schools that will be down there. Yeah, so just uh, try to build as much confidence, especially for these freshmen, to see if you can get some of them going. Uh, You mentioned uh, Eric Stevenson, if he can kind of keep this up get you know string a, a couple of good performances together uh, that's what you want to see these next two games if you're a shocker fan let's go to a few non-shocker related topics starting in the AAC with Memphis I asked Bob about this but what are your thoughts on the James Wiseman situation and I guess more or above that all these schools now maybe just giving the middle finger to the NCAA with some of these rulings yeah this is uh it's been really really interesting to see because you know uh, kind of like what Bob was saying, you know, whenever the NCAA rules against, um, you know, a player, uh, the, typically the school just kind of backs down and holds them out and uh, doesn't want to mess with that. So it's been really cool to see a, a school kind of stand up for its player, um, you know, take the NCAA uh, into the court system. And they're going to, you know, they're going to fight it uh, whether they can win or not. That's another question. But I do like that they're they're staying behind the player. And we all kind of know how, you know, how crazy the NCAA rules are and uh, a lot of people have criticized it for being outdated and um, you know just some of the stuff that they suspend kids for is just kind of ridiculous but um, it's going to be interesting to see because it kind of opens up Pandora's I mean in this box. case they're not really hiding it though no one's saying like you know we didn't accept money yeah or anything. right it's pretty they've accepted yeah that accepted there was money to eleven thousand dollars eleven thousand dollars yeah so it'll be interesting to see you know do they make them uh, pay it back um, and if he does that, then is it a, a suspension? It's going to be something to, to monitor because, you know, Wichita State gets them early in the AAC play. Uh, they come to, to Coke Arena, the second AAC game. So, you know, if he uh, gets suspended, you know, I think uh, they play him in like 10 or 11 games. So if he gets a lengthy suspension, maybe he has to sit out half the year. Shockers might not have to face him uh, against Coke Arena. So it is something that, that can affect Wichita State because, 
you know, if Memphis has Wiseman, you know, that's the seven foot one basketball unicorn who's going to be the number one pick probably. And without him, you know, Memphis still incredibly talented. They have so much firepower, but you know that you don't have to worry about a seven foot one guy that can do everything. That that changes a whole lot of things. So uh, definitely something to monitor for WSU fans. So one of the things that I think is interesting about this is they actually have said that the reason they're going to fight it is because the NCAA first declared him eligible back in May. And at that time, the NCAA knew about this money. So that that's kind of the interesting thing to me because it kind of brings up a, a double jeopardy situation. Like if they had access to that information and they said he was eligible, because if they say he's ineligible to go to Memphis, at that point in time, he could have gone to another school, right? He could have gone somewhere else and played. But to, to hold him out now where he's kind of doing his uh, – his NBA audition that, that kind of is a, is an interesting perspective. I have a question for both of you. I said I was moving away from the Shockers, but now I'm going to bring it back. Who would you rather see as their more fierce rival, Cincinnati or Memphis? I think there's more more bad blood with Memphis now just because of uh, you throw in the Lomax history, and I've just seen a lot of Wichita State fans be kind of upset about all the hype that, that Memphis has gotten um Cincinnati like man if after this year I don't know where I think they take a pretty far uh drop off I mean they have also a ton of seniors well Cronin's yeah. gone I think yeah. that was what added a lot for me as yeah, far as Cincinnati went was this Cronin Marshall thing yeah and, so now is it a Penny Marshall really, thing yeah everyone I, I was really looking they seem to like to each that. other yeah but I was, was mad very, about that very yeah. disappointing I wanted like, them to fight <laughs> I think it was one of those things where they both respected each other. I, maybe not liked each other, but they said we're yeah, both it was, assholes. It was, so. little, <laughs> <laughs> it was a little disappointing that nothing ever ever came of that. We got a good Eric Stevenson, Jaron Cumberland showdown, but yeah, no no coaching showdown. So I think it's Memphis just because of uh, kind of the the history, and I think uh, you know going forward they're going to be the team that you know probably the, with the, the high biggest p- fan base in yeah, comparison to Wichita yeah. State. Them yeah. U- yeah, them are UConn probably. Travel. Um, yeah, and M- Memphis has got like the hype, the the glitz, the glamour, and you know WSU is always kind of one off. You know they they really take the green your lunch pail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you give us an answer? Did you say Memphis as well? I I think I would just because like you said it's it's the the entire programs are polar opposites. And then you've got Marshall, who's come up, uh, uh, a tutelage of Cressy, you know, worked his way up from the bottom ranks as an assistant. And then to come in and it's, here's an ex-NBA player who's, his first head coaching job at the collegiate level is head coach of Memphis. Like, it's totally complete opposites when you look at the situation. And I don't, you know, they may not really have any bad blood between them, but because of those differences, I, I think that for me is is the biggest one as far as a, a future rivalry. I just want to point out, I was a year ahead on my disdain for Memphis. I didn't <laughs> like Memphis last year. Now it's the, you know, cool thing to not like Memphis. I'm not, I didn't like Memphis when it was cool. <laughs> few other stories. You had a tweet. Teddy Allen has been scoring a lot, but also seems to be having some issues uh, up there in junior college. Yeah, he, uh, he got ejected in a game, this uh, I think it was last week, and had a couple uh, just a, a bad run-in with the ref and uh, people in the stands. And I'm sure that, you it's know. It's almost Malice in the Palace type stuff. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't like a fight or anything, but uh, there was, uh, it was pretty much on the brink of that. And, um 
Yeah, you know, he's going to be a target everywhere he goes. You know, people, you know, uh, just a quick Google search have seen he's kind of bounced around to, to two Division One colleges, and I'm sure fans are going to be all over him, and uh, he's just going to have to learn how to, you know, better control his emotions. And uh, But like you said, he is scoring the ball. He's, he's putting in the – he's doing the Teddy Buckets thing. He's got 30, a 30-point 30 average through four or five games, I think, so – um, you know, for a kid like that, you want to see him, you know, get his, you know, his head right, uh, get the help that he needs, uh, you know, excel on the basketball court. We, I mean, obviously he's showing what he can do in basketball. I uh, just hope that he's, you know, finds that success off the court as well. So um, you kind of root for him to see if he can, can get everything together and, and maybe get another shot at Division One. Um, but that's a situa- situation we'll just have to keep seeing how it plays out. Last night we had Raptors at Clippers, which means we had Freddie at Landry. We had Fred breaking ankles on Landry. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, it was reported today that I believe he has a grade two ankle sprain and he's going to be out for a while. But uh, you had a neat article with a pretty cool quote from Doc Rivers. Yeah, I saw that Doc uh, before the game. He had been asked about... um about Fred VanVleet, I mean, obviously he coaches Landry with the Clippers, and uh, they've uh, he you know unprovoked. It wasn't like a Wichita State uh, centered question, and they just asked him about what do you make of Fred VanVleet? What kind of uh, challenges does he present? And uh, yeah, Doc had a pretty cool answer. He said Wichita State guys to me tend to turn out that way, mentally tough, very serious about winning and the game. Uh, it just seems like that's the the makeup from that program, and uh, Fred brings that. I love his swag, his toughness, his composure. Uh, he's a fun guy to watch. So, um, you know, we asked Greg Marshall about that today at his press conference, and he said that's uh, really cool to hear. Uh, he had Grant Sherfield in the office uh, this afternoon, and he made a, made it a point to show him that, um, show him that clip of Doc Rivers saying that about you know two former Wichita State point guards. And uh, that's kind of the point that Marshall wants uh, wants his current shockers to take away. Um, here's his quote from today's uh, press conference. He says, I want him to see the words Doc Rivers is saying about guys who come through here. He kept saying tough, mentally tough, have some swag, and their desire to win. That's really cool to hear him talk about not just Landry on his team, but also Fred. And that's exactly what we're trying to instill with the, these young guards. So um, he said that Dexter Dennis is kind of his – uh, that's who he thinks is the next NBA guy for WSU. But, you know, uh, who knows with uh, with these freshman point guards, uh, they have so much talent with Sherfield, ATN, Noah Fernandez. So that's the kind of attitude that he wants every one of his uh, point guards to embody. Um, so when NBA coaches say that, uh, you, you know, you can bet that he's going to have that clip saved. It's going to be in the recruiting show, video. Yeah, show recruits. So, um, and that's, you know, every, every guard they've gotten the last, you know, two or three years ever since I've been doing this. Um, they've all mentioned, you know, Landry, Fred, Ron. Those are the three big selling points is that Marshall has the, the track record of uh, developing guards into, you know, guys that, that weren't five-star blue-chip recruits. He develops them into NBA guards, and uh, they come to Wichita State, learn how to win, learn how to do the little things, the details, and NBA coaches love that stuff. And, um, you know, that's that's what he wants uh, you know, it's just validation for what he's been doing to hear it from such a you know highly esteemed NBA coach like Doc Rivers. Um, that just really drives home uh, what he's been trying to teach. A lot of people use those same words for uh, shocker podcasters. You know, <laughs> hardworking, swag. You know, different things like that. Very serious minded. <laughs> yes. You mentioned recruiting. You had an update on recruiting today because the 
fall signing period starts tomorrow. Is that correct? Yeah, it starts Wednesday. Um, expect uh, to hear nothing from Wichita State this week. Uh, they're taking their time in recruiting. Uh, they'll have one scholarship uh, available for next season uh, with uh, Jaime Echenique being the only senior. Uh, Marshall <laughs> brought up a, a doomsday scenario today, and he said that if uh, Jaime, for whatever reason, has a setback and isn't able to play, maybe they could redshirt him. Um, I don't see that, you know, barring a huge setback. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but, yeah, so one scholarship. And then, you know, you look at uh, this, uh, the, just the transfers in college basketball. I mean, it's so prevalent. I think WSU has had at least one. Uh, I looked just the last five years. I think they've had one every year. So um, you probably count on at least one player transferring out after this season. So that gives you probably two scholarships. And uh, Marshall has said that, you know, there are no rush. There's no urgency here. Uh, we haven't had a guy come in for an official visit. So odds are uh, WSU is not going to sign anybody in the fall period. They're going to take their time. That kind of buys them time uh, to have those end of season because the spring period doesn't start till mid-April, so well after college basketball season. So uh, that buys them time. They can have their end-of-season meetings, kind of figure out, get a better idea of what their program is going to look like going forward, find out who's going to transfer, who's going to stay, um, and then you can address those recruiting needs. And uh, it also gives you another season uh, to evaluate these prospects, the guys who are, go unsigned after this week. It gives you more time to evaluate their games as they play their seasons throughout the country. So, um, you know, most of the good, you know, those top prospects, they sign in the fall, but... You know, WSU, they've made a living these last two years finding gems uh, in the spring recruiting period. You know, they picked up Dexter Dennis in the spring. They picked up Jamarius Burton, same recruiting class, and they got uh, Grant Sherfield uh, this last spring. So um, Greg Marshall and his staff have proven that you can get big-time players uh, in the spring, even if you wait. So um, that's that's kind of what Shocker fans will have to, to look forward to. Probably no news this week, but you know I'm sure they'll they'll have fireworks uh, in the spring. Buy or sell time, producer Brian. Okay, so Texas Southern. Let me ask it this way: We know that there is a confluence of negative factors. You got a former Marshall assistant sitting on the other bench who had been with him for years. You've got two of your returning starters out with injuries. You're depending on two freshmen to run the point in their second true Division One game. Buy or sell, the poor performance offensively in that game is just a product of the confluence of negative factors, nothing to get alarmed about long term. I will buy that after watching the film. Uh, like I said, I thought they got good enough shots, good enough looks uh, to have a, at least an average offensive game. If they have an average offensive game, they win by 20. So um, I think that nothing to be overly concerned about um, until they string, per, string together performances like that. I think this is more likely a, just a one-off. I'll buy that as well. They only had eight turnovers. They out-rebounded Texas Southern by eight. So, you know, overall it wasn't a sloppy game by the Shockers. It was just the ball wasn't going through the hoop. Buy or sell, Memphis slash Wiseman is successful at challenging the NCAA this season and manages to avoid a postseason ban. 
I will buy that they're going to avoid a postseason ban, but I would sell that he's not going to be suspended for some period of time. We saw the Ohio State defensive end who's been suspended four games. Maybe that comes back to two. So now four games in college football, that's about 30 to 40 percent of your season. So you have to think there's at least going to be you know, maybe double-digit games that he would have to sit down and through an appeal process it comes back. But I don't think this, you know, they're wearing shirts that have like a little, uh, you know, target on the back of Memphis. And boy, those Memphis people are all up in arms and they had the top lawyer in the city on it. And it's like, at the end of the day, this is college basketball. Like, but college basketball is life. I I guess so. Uh, Yeah, I think their motto this year is like Memphis versus everybody. I've seen that a lot uh, in the summer, too. So. Yeah, they've really taken on that and embraced it. Um, I'm going to buy that just for selfish reasons. I want to see Wiseman. I'm a huge NBA guy, so to see him play this year would be really cool. Um, He might be going to the Golden State Warriors, too, because they're the worst team in the NBA right now. Um, But I think that just because we haven't seen a a school take on the NCAA yet, and I think this could be – you know, a momentous occasion if uh, Memphis takes them Not even on. when Bill Self brought out Snoopy Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he backed down uh, right after that, too. I thought he was going to be all in on that and just say, yeah. Just wear a gold chain, you know? Yeah, I didn't buy that. Had a but, money gun? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think if uh, if Memphis somehow wins this case and um, and is able to, to not, you know, be penalized for playing Wiseman, um, that's a huge moment that could change, you know, the landscape of college, uh, um, college basketball, the NCAA, and I think it would be for the better. You know, you listen to guys like Jay Billis who just rail against the NCAA all the time, and uh, when you say, when you listen to, to what he says, it, it makes, you know, I think it. I I tend to agree with him, and I think that this can be a big moment for NCAA. So I hope that that Memphis, you know, is probably bad news for WSU fans because Wiseman is, you know, the real deal, and he would be. Uh, a load to handle uh, in the post for for Echenique and I'm sure they would run all four of those centers and just try to use 20 fouls on him but um, I want to see him out there I think he's uh, like I said I mean he's a seven foot one basketball unicorn so I want to see him out there I'll buy that what's interesting is Billis is actually you know was was interviewed after all the ineligibility stuff came out and said he thought it was a pretty open and shut case for the NCAA it's like here's money changing hands provided by a booster yeah like even without penny being the coach this is a pretty open and shut type eligibility case if enough listeners contribute to patreon we can get taylor a james (laughs) wiseman jersey that he can wear all year because he's clearly excited for this unicorn to come in here i don't know about all that next question okay (laughs) Buy or sell until Echenique gets back and healthy. So you, we may be talking about three games. We may be talking about five games. Buy or sell. The center position will produce an average of 10 points, 10 rebounds until he returns. I will I will buy that. I think, I mean, they'll get 10 rebounds, but the 10 points is a question mark. I really like Udeze. I think he's going to get more minutes. Uh, Greg Marshall, I asked him today about it, and he seemed very optimistic about his playing time going forward. So more Mo, Mo offense. So I think they'll get the, the 10, 10 and 10. I like that. I like that. In the worst offensive game we've seen in quite some time, they scored eight points. So I'll buy the fact that they'll get 10 points moving forward. All right, last one. Buy or we know we know Dexter Dennis is already performing at an incredibly high level. 
but buy or sell his shorts are overshadowing his basketball performance. I'm going to sell that because if you follow the guy to my left on Twitter, at Taylor Eldridge, he showed a guy from Memphis today <laughs> who I don't know if I want to be going that up because you might have some. Did anyone see Chris Jones running at the NFL Combine when he fell down and some of his manhood fell out onto the field as well? You don't want to have the shorts too high up like that. Yeah, uh-uh. I think my tweet got flagged for inappropriate. Indecent. Yeah, oh, my in- goodness. Indecent content. So. <laughs> To give you an idea of how short those shorts were, yeah, I thought Dexter's were short, but uh, yeah, Lester Kionez, uh at Memphis, he is taking uh, short shorts to a uh, uncomfortable Holy level. level. He's damn millennial. <laughs> <laughs> okay, boomer. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy it. I think it is, uh, it is distracting people. I've had people ask me why, why are his shorts so short? And, uh, you know, it's taking now, away to from be his fair, greatness. people ask, you know, why are Taylor's suits so colorful at the games? Yeah, there's a lot of like questions. That. That's true. Yeah, you got to have fashion. Yeah, so, but yeah, you know, I think uh, people are losing sight of, you know, the the two-way greatness that uh, Dexter Dennis is producing. Too many people are focused on those, those thick thighs. Well, he's next up, so... <laughs> Well, that was a fun start to the first show of the regular season. We'll be back to preview the Cancun Challenge down in Mexico. Have a chance to place not only South Carolina, but Old Valley Foe, Northern Iowa, West Virginia from the Big 12. So a lot of great matchups there. We can also talk some turkey as that'll be over Thanksgiving. Do you get to go get to Mexico? Some rolls. Um, yeah, I'm going to Mexico. So we'll, we'll uh, be, I know you were just there, so I'm going to have some, ask you for some travel trips and I'm staying at an Airbnb. I'm not, well, I'm not uh, 100% confident in that, so things could get sketchy. This could be my last road trip as a Shocker Beat writer, but uh, it's been fun. Thanks for listening, guys. I have one more buy or sell for you, too. Buy or sell Popeye's chicken sandwich is better than Chick-fil-A. I have gone to Popeye's on three different occasions and stood in line for a long time <laughs> and never gotten it, so... <laughs> I, I don't even have a take on this. It sounds like the Popeye's experience. Yeah, yeah. That, that is the Popeye's experience. And someone was stabbed at a Popeye's. Uh, it was like in Washington, D.C. or something. Yeah. That sounds like a crazy thing. Yeah. I'm going to buy it. It's the real deal. Oh, Noted dinner roll and chicken sandwich enthusiast yeah. Taylor Eldridge with stamp, the Stamp experience. of approval, yeah. Well, we'll be back to preview the Cancun Challenge. Have a great week. And wish up. Greatest five stars. <laughs> <laughs>